I would first of all like to say tonight, thank you for being here. This is an awesome crowd. And I know it takes a great effort for you to come after a hot day, busy day at work, mothers at home with kids perhaps, or whatever you've engaged in throughout the day, I know that's a challenge. But you show a great interest in your spiritual life by being here. You show a great interest in your home congregation by assembling here. This crowd is really amazing to me. I'm, I'm very thankful. I'm very proud of you. And I pray that our lesson will be of encouragement to you and will teach a few things and at least remind you of things you've already been taught. And that's most likely the category it will fit in. I would like to say that I've appreciated the prayers at every service. I did not mention that last night, but I appreciated the prayer last night. I know Brother Doyle led the one Sunday morning, Brother Frank tonight. And listen, you've got a congregation of much talent. If I could live and I could preach like he can pray, Brother Frank, then I would feel like I've kind of obtained some things and accomplished some things. And I really appreciate Brother Frank and uh, the prayer that he prayed tonight was wonderful. The song selection, I love every song. It's just wonderful. You know, we're having a gospel meeting. I like to call it revival because it's a gospel meeting that revives the people, that encourages us all. I will assure you, I am encouraged by you. I promise you, I am encouraged by you. I don't tell every place that because I'm not encouraged everywhere I go, but I'm encouraged by all of you. And thank you so much for your attendance and your interest. I noticed, I noticed several of you are writing what is on the board uh, before we ever started services tonight. And that will help because it will help you be able to follow more and, and fill in some gaps along the way as we make points throughout our lesson. So I feel very blessed to be here. And I hope you today feel as blessed to be a member of the Plans Road Congregation in Bakersfield, California, as we all should. It's a beautiful building. It's great Christians. Everybody is happy. They're hugging each other's neck. They're shaking each other's hand. They're smiling at each other. And it's just a great joy. May God bless each and every one of you in your service to God Almighty. As you see on the board today, we're going to preach about faith without works is dead. To get me warmed up for this lesson today, I said and listened to a guy teach just opposite of what I'm going to teach today. I went on YouTube and listened to a guy preach a sermon today about salvation by faith only. And he just ran all over so many verses of scripture that it kind of gets me revved up and ready to roll because I want to defend the truth. And I want you to be able to do that. I promise you today, in order to be an effective personal worker for the Lord, in order to convert people to Christ, not every time, but many times, maybe most times, you need to be able to explain these passages, James 2, 14 through 26. It is so important. The title of the lesson is Faith Without Works is Dead. You will see that in verse 17, verse 20, and verse 26. 
Now in James' second chapter, and that's where you can turn if you want to in your Bible, that's where we're going to spend 95, 99% of our time tonight. As we conclude our lesson, I'm going to bring a couple of passages in, the Lord willing, from the book of Revelation. But James chapter 2, the book of James is written by James, the brother of Jesus Christ. That automatically makes us perk up and think about we are reading a book that brother of Jesus Christ wrote. And the message he's writing here, he's doing so in a very positive way. Now, if your Bible has subheadings or even at the very top of the page, it very likely will say faith without works is dead. Now, yours may not, but mine does here, and this one does in your pew Bible, and others that I have looked at, uh, that's what they say. So it's very common whether your version says it or not, but right up here, faith without works is dead. This is very, very important. And by the way, this could be probably one of the shortest lessons that I preach. So your night tonight is not, I'm not, I may be through before 8.30. I may surprise you all. I may want to grab those minutes later on during the week and use them then. But tonight, this is basically a 30-minute lesson. We're going to focus in on this important truth to help you help others to be saved, to help you to understand. And please, if I do not explain something to your satisfaction, to your understanding, if I leave any room for questions, please ask me. I want to talk with you about that. I'll be glad to listen to what you say because I can learn from you as I hope you can learn from me and together we can help each other in our spiritual journey. In James, the second chapter, I would first of all like to read verse 17, 20, and 26. Now remember, we're looking at the one context, verses 14 through 26. Verse 17, even so faith, if it has not works, it's dead, being alone. Verse 20. But will thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? Verse 26. For as the body without the spirit is dead, even so faith without works is dead also. You know what I could do? I could go sit down now and say I'm through. I've already read it to you three times and one segment of scripture that faith without works is dead. Now, in order to understand this particular segment of Scripture, there's a lot of history that I love to give, but today I don't plan to focus in on that. I plan today to focus in on simply book, chapter, verse, on what is taught. I don't plan to talk about how people have abused this. I may mention a couple of points along the way, but I basically am going to talk with you about what these verses teach. James is laying forth a proposition. Faith without works is dead. And James 2, 14 through 26, he's going to explain that. And here's how he's going to do it. He's going to ask seven questions in these passages. He's going to give five illustrations in this passage. So therefore, and these 13 verses of scripture, count in verse 14, count in verse 26. You have your 13 verses. With these seven questions and with these five illustrations, it's a pretty unique 
presentation. He is defending a proposition that you have to have faith. But your faith needs to be put into action. Words, deeds, conduct. It needs to have works to show your faith. Now I'm going to read these verses. By the way, these seven questions, I have them number one through seven. These are simply where you find each of the seven questions. So in your Bible, if you have your personal Bible here, you might, if you write in your Bible, you might underline the questions or highlight it however you like to do. And you might do the same with the illustration. Because many people that you talk to in the religious world, they're good people. They're nice people. They have been misled because they've been taught wrong. You can show forth the word of God that faith is important, works is important, and faith without works is dead. I want to tell you today, there's zero tolerance for faith only. Zero tolerance for that. There are many verses of scripture, and that's what the gentleman did today on YouTube that I was watching him. He gave verse after verse after verse and said, you're saved by faith, you're saved by faith. Well, sure, there are many verses that teach you saved by faith, but not a one of them said faith only. Not one single one. The only time faith only appears would be right here in our text when it says not by faith only. So it doesn't take a rocket scientist to really understand that. And another zero tolerance is to hear people say, Works has nothing whatever to do with your salvation. Works has nothing to do with your salvation. That is dead wrong. And I can remember all through my years of preaching, a variety of people saying that, men and women, young and old, and, and the religious discussion on and on, that works has nothing to do with it. And people have tried to modify it, to twist it, to turn it, and to say it differently, but the bottom line, anytime anybody says faith only is all you need, your words do not matter, that person is maybe honestly misled, but misled. You need to know these verses. And I've outlined this in a way that helped me to understand it. I use this very outline numerous of times in Bible studies with people. And once people can see the truth of James 2, 14 through 26, then they understand, I've got to do something. What I do does matter. Can you imagine being taught what you do doesn't matter? Your words doesn't matter? I mean, that's just amazing to me. That anybody would think, Jesus came and died at Calvary and nothing you do that matters. That is ridiculous. James hit it head on. And here it comes. The brother of our Lord writes these words. We begin now at verse 14. Will you please notice? This is question number one and question number two in verse 14. Right off the bat. I mean, he didn't warm up. He just nailed it right tight. In verse 14, what does it profit, my brethren, Though a man may say he has faith and have not works, can faith save him? You've got two questions right here. He said, first of all, what doth it profit? You're going to see that again throughout this writing. He said, what doth it profit? If you have faith and you don't have works. He said, can that kind of faith 
save you? That's our second question. Can faith save you? Can that kind of faith, faith that works by itself and no works, can that faith save you? James is driving a point home immediately, drawing everybody's attention to his writing. That kind of faith will not do anything for you. It will not save you. He said, can faith, that is that kind of faith, faith that has no works, can that faith save you? Look at verse 15, please. If a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you say unto them, depart in peace, be ye warmed and filled, notwithstanding, ye shall you give them not those things that are needful to the body. Here's the third question, and this is your first illustration. What doth it profit? Notice what it said here. What doth it profit? In verse 16, this is your case of benevolence. Somebody comes up to you, a brother or a sister that is in Christ, a fellow Christian comes up to you, and they tell you they're destitute of daily food. And you say, I hope you have a great day. We'll see you later. And you just walk away. Your faith has not been put into practice. A brother or sister needed you. They needed your help. He said, if a brother or sister comes to you and they're destitute of daily food and you just more or less wish them well and you do nothing to ease their moment of discomfort and their difficulty, that is wrong. That was the illustration he gave. And you know what? I can relate to that and you can relate to that. There have been times perhaps in your life you've needed somebody to help you or you've helped somebody who needed your help. And it's a, we help each other. Today, I want to help you. Tomorrow, I may need your help for you to lift me up. Well, this is what we're dealing with here. This case of benevolence in verse 15. And as he illustrates this question in verse 16, he drives this point home. He said, I just want to know what does it profit for you to say, well, I hope the best for you. And you just walk away and do nothing. There are some very serious problems with that type of Christianity. The fact of the matter is, there's the lack of spirituality of your Christianity if we act this way. Whenever I say you, by the way, it's me, it's me, it's me and you both, it's all of us. We're working together to learn God's will, to learn God's way. All right, let's stay on. Let's look at verse 17. Even so, faith, if it has not works, it's dead, been alone. Listen, verse 17 is so powerful. That's what James is driving at in all 13 of these verses. He said, I want you to know faith without works is dead. That is what he's preaching. That's what he's promoting. He laid that out in verse 17, verse 20, and verse 26. He gave illustration. He gave questions so everybody would know. When you put, say, I've got faith and you don't do show your works, that faith doesn't do you any good. That's why I keep saying, what is the profit? What does it gain you? What are you accomplishing? Okay, here it is, everybody. I've got faith. Is that convincing? I got faith. You don't say anything, don't do anything. I, I got it. You know, faith without works is dead. James knew exactly what he said. 
So therefore, you understand, we need to put our faith into action. We will help ourselves spiritually. We'll help the one we're reaching out to. We will help our home congregation have a brighter light before this community. We're showing people what Christianity is all about. Putting your faith into practice. Stay with me, please. Let's look at verse 18. Yea, a man may say, thou hast faith, I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works. I'll show thee my faith by my words. I want to pause there. He is driving this home in a very unique way. He said, okay, you got faith, I've got faith. You show me your faith without your words, I'll show you my faith by my words. He's driving this point home, and I could have easily put that verse right here too. What he's doing here is showing the importance of both faith and works. No if, no ands, no buts. This is wonderful, the teaching we're receiving right here from word of God. Verse 19, this is another case of the illustration of the devil right here. Verse 19, thou believest there's one God, thou doest well. The devil also believed and trembled. The devil also believed and trembled. If you're saved by faith, why not the devil saved? He had faith. James said the devil also believed and trembled. You know, really, you can read that verse and say, okay, case and point proven. James showed that to be a very valuable case. It is also interesting to watch people read these verses and try to break them apart and say, really, they don't mean what they say. That preacher I listened to on YouTube this afternoon, as I listened to him, I said, this is going to be interesting. What's he going to say about that? He said, I know what it says, but it doesn't mean what it says. I thought, excuse me? Am I going to believe you? Somebody I don't even know. Or am I going to believe the word of God for what it really says? And what it really means. I promise you one thing. The Bible says what it means and it means what it says. And the Bible is an inspired book of God. God Almighty. He looks at the word of God. He inspired the word of God. It means what it says. Okay. Oh, let's read on now. Let's take a look at verse 20. But wilt thou know, O vain man? Here comes another question, by the way. It's question number four. But wilt thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? I don't want to be repetitious in this lesson. But we are driving to prove the proposition that the writer James had in mind. And in verse 20, he said it again. Faith without works is dead. You know today, we are not first graders. Now, there might be some first graders here. But by and large, none of us are first graders, okay? We can understand what this verse means and all these other verses. They are wonderful passages. And we can help save people's souls by knowing how to explain this. This has been very helpful to me in studying the Bible with people. When they have a background of denominationalism, They've had the background of salvation by faith alone. They've had the background of, you know, no matter what you do, it doesn't matter. And on and on, these verses right here have helped. They've helped tremendously. Okay, let's continue. I mean, James is on a ro roll here, and here it goes again. And verse 21, 
Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered his son Isaac upon the altar? That's question number five. Question number six in the next verse. See then how faith wrought with his works and by works was faith made perfect. Now take a look at that. He reaches back to an illustration of Abraham. That great story. And at this part of the lesson, you know, I'm always tempted to run back and tell you the whole story of Abraham and Isaac. But you know what? I don't do that. I love the story of Abraham and Isaac. I studied it just last week before coming here and getting ready for this meeting. But you know what? James didn't. He didn't go back and rehash the old story. These people knew about Abraham and Isaac. And I know most of you know about Abraham and Isaac. Maybe every one of you know about it. But God told Abraham to offer up Isaac, his son. That was a very difficult and trying time. And a lot of interesting moments here are unfolded. But what James did, he used that illustration of Abraham being told to offer up his son Isaac as putting faith into action. God told Abraham what to do. Abraham didn't understand all about it, but what he did do is exactly what the father said to do. Oh, it'd be, it'd be hard, it'd be terrible to be put in that position. We know how the story ends, and it ends by God's name being glorified. And it's so fabulous. Well, you see, when you look at these verses here, in verse 21 and 22, when you look at these two questions and you look at that illustration, you can see how it is that James, the brother of our Lord, is illustrating that you've got to put your faith into action. Your faith without works is dead. You can have faith all day long, but if you don't have the works to support that faith, it will accomplish you nothing. Please understand that. That's the reason we should not let days turn to weeks and weeks turn to months. And we are really doing nothing for the kingdom, the kingdom of God, the church, the spiritual family. We aren't involved in other people's lives. We're not trying to help other people. We've got to put our faith into action. We've got to do that. All right, let's read again, please. We're still at James 2, and we will stay there. In verse 23. And the scripture was fulfilled with Seth. Abraham believed God and was imputed in him for righteousness and he was called the friend of God. Wow. Abraham, the friend of God. I want you to remember that. Abraham, the friend of God. Because in just a moment, we're going to go to Rahab the harlot. In contrast to Abraham, the friend of God. So it goes from one extreme of the friend of God, Abraham, to Rahab, an immoral woman, to prove that faith without works is dead. What an extreme. It's kind of like the difference between day and night. As far as you can imagine, a man, Abraham, quality and seasoned veteran, doing what God said to a woman who was immoral. But he used her to prove the same point that he used Abraham for. James is driving this point home. My friend, this is 2,000 years ago. We've got it today, and it's just as effective today as it was then. Oh, believe me, there have been many people to try to disassemble James 2 
14 through 26. There's some time that a Bible study, someone has their Bible and their translation of choice, and I reach and I say, can I see your translation for a minute? I look at it and say, yep, it's there. Okay. Now I want us to read those verses. I want you to read that to me, please. And, and we will, I listen carefully, and I follow my Bible, and they read in their Bible, and their translation of choice, whatever it is they choose. And I make sure they're lining up good, and most of them do. I've never had one really that didn't. They had lined up very well. And I said, let's figure this out. What is James saying? And you know what? In just a very few minutes, in less than an hour of a person's home study, sitting across the kitchen table, sitting in the comfortable living room, or just sitting and visiting with them wherever we may be, it is so wonderful to let the Word of God speak and let us learn. It is amazing. See, my friend, it's not going to be hard. Now, I know many of you have friends and neighbors that you really want to reach out to, but you feel maybe inadequate. You feel inexperienced. I know that, that, how that is because we all feel that way at times about certain topics. You've got brethren here this very, very season, and they can help you. But also, the more you do it, the better you get. And getting to know James too is a very important principle to help you be more successful than what you've ever thought possible. Okay, let's read on, please. James, the second chapter, verse 24. Ye see then how that by works a man is justified, not by faith only. Now you know what I'm going to say. Not by faith only. The only time... You, have read, you read in your Bible, faith only is right here in James the second chapter, and it said, by works, by works, a man is justified, not by faith only. Yet the majority of the religious denomination groups, religions X, Y, and Z, whoever you want to name, majority of them will want to teach you faith only, faith only. That's what this guy did today. Faith only, faith only. Words has nothing to do with it. You don't have to do one thing. That is ridiculous. You cannot read this verse right here and draw any conclusion in verse 24. Then faith only does not save, but your words is important too. Let me read it again, please. Ye see then how that by works a man is justified and not by faith only. Now let's bring in another illustration. Likewise, also, was not Rahab the harlot justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out another way? Again, just like with Abraham and Isaac, I'm real tempted to go over and tell you all about Rahab the harlot. But you know, James didn't, so I'm not going to. He just used an Old Testament occurrence that these people knew about. And you know about Rahab, you know about Abraham. You know about these illustrations that he's using. And you can relate to that. And he's using it to show that faith without works is dead. He said, again, likewise, in the same manner as Abraham was, was not Rahab the harlot justified by works? Once more, he used that term, justified by works. It is amazing to me how people can stand in front of an intelligent audience and say words has nothing to do with your salvation when you look at James 2 and it said you're justified by words. 
And when we get to the conclusion of the lesson and we read those two passages in Revelation, you're going to see how important your works are. I want to tell you right now, it's time for inventory of our lives and to make sure that we look at our life really good. I want us to look at ourselves like God looks at us. I want us to be that open and that honest that we look at ourselves like God does. He sees everything about us. I want you to look at yourself like you look at others. You know, it's amazing to me how people look at others and they find very critical things sometimes to say. And they look at themselves and they minimize their shortcomings. Just listen to people. Father, forgive those who sin against us. Listen to the prayers. Father, forgive those who sin against us. And please forgive me of my weaknesses and shortcomings. Listen for that. I hear it all over the country. Those who do me wrong, they sin. But when it's me, it's a weakness. It's a shortcoming. It is amazing. Maybe it's part of humanity. I don't know, but I'll tell you what, we need to understand our sin is just as bad as the next guy's. Don't minimize your own. Just get rid of them. And God has showed us how. Don't try to manipulate God. You're not going to win. Don't go up against God. You're going to lose. That's what's going to happen. We will lose. Let's just accept God's will. And I, I've got so many other lessons that I want to preach throughout this week that I'm not going to get to them all. And I'm going to wish I did, but I, I'm not going to be able to. But I want to show you the love of God and what he did to help you go to heaven. And learning this truth right here will help everybody know that your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Your name is written in heaven. All right, let's take another look here. Verse 25 with your seventh question. Number, verse 26. Now the last verse of this reading. For as the body without the spirit is dead, even so faith without works is dead also. Here's the last illustration given in verse 26. He uses your physical body. Your body without the spirit is dead. He uses that to equate Faith without words is dead. When your body loses its spirit, it's a dead body. When your faith has no words, it's a dead faith. We today will not be saved with a dead faith. We will be saved with a living, working, active faith. This should motivate us to do more than what we have been doing. It should motivate us to get more involved in our spiritual growth and helping other people to grow. You know, the more you can reach other people by God's word and reading the word of God, it just means a tremendous amount. Well, faith without works is dead has been proven by James, the brother of our Lord, chapter 2, 14 to 26. In order to prove that, he asked seven questions and he addressed it very directly. He gave us five illustrations and then in conclusion tonight, Revelation 14 and verse 13. There are many verses we could go to right here. I've just chosen two. But the last book of the New Testament, the book of Revelation, the 14th chapter, verse 13, Blessed are the dead which die in the Lord. They shall rest from their labors. 
and their works do follow them. Their what? Their works do follow them. You know what? That shows works matters. Even after you die, your works will follow you. Oh, let's go to another passage. Revelation 20 and verse 12. Oh, this, this passage here, it will wake you up. It's amazing. John, who's writing the great book of Revelation, said, I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God. And the books was opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. Notice what it said. Revelation 20 and 12. And the dead were judged out of those things written in the books according to their works. Do not overlook Revelation 14, 13, Revelation 20 and 12. After you discuss the points of James 2, remember the passage of Scripture said, in the final day, even after you die, your works are going to follow you. And the final day, the books will be open. And another book is open, which is the book of life. And you want your name that book of life, and you're going to be judged by your works. Dear friends, we want to go to heaven. All of us want to. And in this magnificent crowd, every one of you, we've got something in common. We all want to go to heaven. We want our name in the Lamb's Book of Life. We want to be saved. And the way to know that you're saved is putting your faith into action. Your faith by itself will not take you there. Your faith and works that combine together will. I ask of you today, please consider where you are spiritually. If you're right and ready to meet your maker, God bless you. God bless you in every way. But if you've got sin in your life, there's two ways you need to go about getting forgiveness of that. If you've never obeyed the gospel in baptism, they have a baptistry here they can fill up in 15 minutes. You've heard the word of God. Believe that word. Repent of your sins. Confess the beautiful name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Be buried in baptism to wash away your sins for the remission of sins. And the Lord will add you to the church. Your name will be written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Wow, that's amazing. If you've never been baptized the way according to Scripture, you need to be. If you have, but you've had a spiritual challenge and difficulty, maybe plenty of them, you need to repent of your sins and confess your faults. Make a change in your life. Confess that I have sinned. Don't beat around the bush. I have sinned. Don't go blaming anybody. Say, I have sinned. That's how that prodigal son did in Luke 15 when he decided he wanted to go back home and said, Father, I have sinned. We need to own up to it when we do wrong. And then the Bible says, confess your faults one another and pray one for another. We thank you for listening to our podcast put on by the Church of Christ at 2215 Plans Road in Bakersfield. If you would like any additional information or you would like to receive a free Bible correspondence course by mail, please email us at info at churchofchristbakersfield.com. Our service times are Sundays at 1030 a.m. and 5 p.m. and Wednesdays at 730 p.m. Please make plans to join us. We would love for you to be our honored guest.